uniting thousands to worship one. This is United Breaks Out. Hello and welcome to evening two of the New Wine United Breaks Out podcast from New Wine FM. Tonight we'll be looking at the main sessions that have taken place today with a look at what Gary Halgan from IJM had to say in the arena following on from Esther Swarfield Bray's interview with us earlier today. We'll be speaking to Jill Duff, who is leading the morning impact sessions, and we'll be taking a sneak peek at what our young people have been up to in luminosity. But first, we're checking with Pete Hughes, who is leading the morning sessions in the arena this weekend. In Pete Hughes' day job, he leads an Anglican church in the King's Cross area of London, but he's speaking at our morning sessions in arena. This morning, he took on the challenging subject of our vulnerability and the difficult times we live in. You didn't choose this retreat. I'm fully aware of that. And you haven't ended up, or at least for most of us, in some sort of idyllic monastery setting. No, for most of the time we've been locked in our homes, some of us with our kids. And yet there's a purpose to retreating. And the purpose to retreating is that we receive. We come into the presence of God and we receive the fire of his presence. And then we take the fire of his presence into the world around us. We become carriers of the fire and the purpose of the wilderness. It's a stripping back. It's a purification. It's a preparation place. It's a place of spiritual formation. As we look at Jesus's time in the wilderness in Luke 4, even the word quarantine might mean more than we expect. Now, let me just nerd out on some language for you. We've been talking a lot about quarantine in the last few months. Now, the word quarantine actually comes from a Venetian word used in the 14th and 15th century. The Venetian word is quarantina. It literally means 40 days. Now, in the 14th and 15th century, a hideous plague was spreading through the earth. Does that sound familiar? It was called the Black Death. And when ships came into harbour, they would have to go through a 40 day period of cleansing and purification in preparation for the next adventure. So before any passengers could come on board, there was a 40 day waiting process. So when we think of Jesus entering a process of 40 days of, of waiting and preparation, we could quite literally say Jesus entered into quarantine. And there's a powerful reminder that we're not alone. Like if you felt insecure, like not fully yourself in the wilderness, you don't need to freak out. We're all in that same boat. As we read the Old Testament, do we get a skewed view of the wilderness? Could we see it a little differently, perhaps? You see, sometimes we think that the wilderness is the place of punishment. But what we actually realise as we read Luke 4 is that the wilderness is the place of formation. It's where we can experience the love of God and experience transformation. You see, God leads us into the wilderness not to punish us. He leads us because he loves us. And as his love is poured in, all the other stuff comes to the surface for the purpose of freedom and healing. But if we delve further into the prophets, we find more evidence that God is in the wilderness. Well, the story of redemption essentially uses similar language. When the prophets point forward to Jesus, the Messiah, they begin to talk about the wilderness bursting into life, rivers flowing in the desert. Ezekiel 36 says people are going to say when the Messiah comes that the land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. 
Like God takes us into the wilderness so that new life can break out. So if you're freaking out thinking, ah, what is happening? If you're experiencing restlessness, God's led you to this point because he wants to encounter you with love where you find rest for your soul. Pete reminds us of how our society is crying out for things that we as Christians pretty much take for granted. But what we're seeing at an individual level, we're also seeing at a a corporate level. We're seeing a culture in search of a saviour. Let me give you a couple of examples. Thursday evenings at the beginning of lockdown, what did we do? And the answer is we opened our front doors, we got pots and pans and we were banging our pans and celebrating the bravery of our frontline workers in the NHS. We were honouring the staff teams of the NHS and that was a beautiful, beautiful moment of community. But what was beneath that? Perhaps there was a culture in search of a saviour. Like we needed rescuing from this hideous disease, the coronavirus, and we didn't know where to look. Should we be looking to our political leaders? So we turned to the NHS. And in many ways, it was a posture of surrender, raising our hands. Please rescue us from the virus. What if God has some bigger things in mind for us as a church? What if at this moment, God had led the church into a wilderness experience because he wanted to speak to us and affirm calling and recommission us and send us out to a world, a culture in search of a saviour to say, guys, the king is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. The wilderness is a place where spiritual awakenings begin. What if we're on the cusp of something like that, a fresh outpouring of the spirit? What if this was a moment where God had led us into the wilderness to remind us of our calling to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. If you'd like to hear more about how Pete unpicks Jesus' three temptations in the wilderness in a time of pandemic, please head over to Friday's 11 o'clock arena session on the United Breaks Out website. I'll leave you with a phrase from him that's still going round my head. In the stillness of the wilderness, as everything rises to the surface, we discover what matters most. Not what we think should matter most, what actually matters most. That was Candy Evans taking a look at what Pete Hughes had to say to us this morning. Pete will be continuing his series on Saturday and Monday mornings, and you can join or watch again on the United Breaks Out website at new-wine.org forward slash breaks out. Next up, we have an interview with Jill Duff, the Bishop of Lancaster, who is leading the morning sessions in Impact this weekend. So I'm Jill Duff and I'm the Bishop of Lancaster and I'm also a new wine trustee. So I've been the Bishop of Lancaster for just over two years now and um, I'm uh, the patch covers the whole of Lancashire uh, along with two other bishop colleagues and uh, my brief is for seeing the church grow and cross boundaries and engage in new ways and plant churches. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you're doing for United Breaks Out. Well, in the background, I'm praying for um, uh, for great, um, and I suppose in, in Christian terms, we'd often call like an open heaven over the conference, that people can engage and meet with Jesus, and meet with God in this time. 
Um, practically, I'm um, the main speaker in the Impact venue for the um, for the mornings. So Impact is a venue that's particularly aimed at people from an urban background, and uh, that's probably the demographic that's closest to my heart. All my ministry has been in urban areas, and it's a shorter, snappier, magazine-type format. And the talks I'm going to be giving are about the book of Nehemiah, which some of you maybe have never even heard of, but it's uh, it's tucked away in the Old Testament. And it's about a man who came to rebuild um, the walls of Jerusalem. And in urban areas, we're often about trying to rebuild walls in a good way, trying to reconstruct, not just physically, but I think also emotionally and spiritually. And there's some deep treasure trove of wisdom in uh, in this book about how Nehemiah went about it because once he started trying to rebuild things he suffered an incredible amount of opposition the seven different <laughs> types of opposition and if you've worked in an urban area whether in a church or in in any context normally when you start to do new things and turn around things opposition comes against you and here's seven textbook oppositions you may well face and so I've personally found the book a very encouraging both as a minister but also as a bishop and so I thought I'd share something of um, what I've gleaned from that. Um, inevitably um, uh, what I offer is is words but we're, we're asking that um, God's Spirit will encourage people to rebuild and where well, they've given up in places because often urban life makes you want to give up. Um, we can become quite weary and worn out and think, well, we've just got to put up with it. Actually, I'm hoping that uh, engaging um, with this, the, the Bible in this way will actually encourage us to keep rebuilding and start rebuilding. And the interesting thing at the end of the book, not, this isn't, isn't really a spoiler, but um, <laughs> you could say it's a spoiler alert. Um, Nehemiah rebuilds the walls in 52 days. All the opposition comes to nothing. And I think often that's my um, experience. When we get a vision for how things could be different, whether that's on a small scale or more widely in our communities, things, everything can tell us to all just give up. But actually my experience is if you persevere, there can be incredible um, transformations. When I was asked to um, preach at the venues, I was de delighted and just conscious that, yes, exactly, that's what I offer. If it's offered from my wisdom, then there's not going to be much uh, point people listening. But um, um, I was finding at that time the Book of Nehemiah just really helpful to me as a bishop as I'm trying to rebuild in quite a number of our urban areas. And so there the seemed to be a resonance of, um, of writing that into teaching that could be given. Given that I've never given this teaching before. Um, all the teaching at New Wine this year is, is specifically um, uh, designed for that. But I suppose to step back and take a, a longer run at your question, when I think about our nation um, and um, wanting to see our nation um, rebuilt and hope come. Um, in tucked away in the Old Testament, there's um, a passage that Jesus uses, his manifesto actually. It's um, from uh, Isaiah chapter 61, where he talks about um, the spirit of the Lord is upon upon him to uh, preach good news to the poor, the broken hearts, the captives. And then at the end of the passage in verse four, it says that they will restore the ancient ruins, they will rebuild 
the cities. And my sense is across our nation, it's actually the poor, the broken hearted, the prisons, the captives, that God is calling out to rebuild our broken cities, to rebuild our nation. And yet these very people are often people who are trapped underground. Um, often we don't recognise them in church leadership, we don't recognise them in uh, leadership in civil society. And yet often they have the, the very gifts which um, which are needed and which I believe God has provided to rebuild our broken down and desolate cities, to rebuild our walls, so to speak. And so my bigger hope is that as people engage at New Wine in the Impact Venue, that effectively God will be calling out an army of rebuilders who persevere despite opposition to see uh, walls and cities rebuilt um, where they are. For me, that's the hope of our hope of our nation is tucked away in the poor, the broken heart of the prisons of captives, because my experience is that's exactly who God chooses. I think um, often our church systems and our, uh, you know, our national systems base, are based around promoting people like me. I've got an Oxbridge um, degree, PhD. I've, you know, s- glided through the system and um, am now a bishop um, fairly young in life. Um, but actually, scripture would point out and uh, the Christian story throughout history is that it's often um, uh, it was Jesus picked the unschooled fishermen to be the rock, Peter, the rock on which he built his church. He was chosen, not the academic Paul, I'm more of the academic. Uh, Paul was in the wilderness for 15 years before Jesus could properly use him. And so I suppose um, if you had another strap line to what I'm trying to do is I'm saying I'd love to call out the Peters, call out the rocks on which Jesus will build his church and the rocks on which he will renew our nation at this time. And it's interesting in our politics, there's a there's been an appetite to see renewal across our nation um, and uh, to put our poorer areas higher up the political agenda. I sense that's a work of um, God's spirit, putting those on the agenda. And my hope is there can be a springboard to see um, this gifted army, this gifted army of rebuilders um, let loose <laughs> in our unlikely places in our nation. Well, it's been extraordinary times, hasn't it? Um, this is the first time in history, Old Testament, New Testament, where there has been a global pause. Um, this has never happened before. And a lot of people have been trying to discern, actually, what is um, God trying to say to us through this? Um, I do not believe that God sends pandemics, but he can use them to get our attention. And I sense that through this, um, there's a sense of him saying three things really. One is wake up. And I've seen an incredible waking up in our culture. I don't know if you noticed it in our media, but the openness to talking about death, the big questions in life, um, selfishness has become socially unacceptable, hasn't it? And Captain Tom is our hero. There's an incredible waking up to some of the bigger questions in life. And, um, uh, and, um, and it almost a sort of a sense of wanting to, the second thing really, is to reset, to start again. What are the, the new things we're going to be doing? What are the factory settings almost we're going to return to? What are the, um, the um, things we need to start again? And then I think the third thing I think I feel like um, God is saying is that he's saying, come home. Um, I think his heart is breaking for our nation and he's longing for his beloved sons and daughters to come home. And so I love the theme, the United Breaks Out, because often um, the the sense that there's a people can come home to a banquet, 
that can be quite hidden. Often people don't realise what treasures there are in um, in the Bible, in our church communities, in, in, in meeting Jesus by faith. And so um, I hope, my, my sense, my hope and prayer for United Breaks Out is that the tent is lifted, literally, um, so that more people can come and encounter the incredible banquet of heaven that God is um, putting on and calling people to in our nation, because that's what Jesus taught us to pray, wasn't it? That he said, you know, we pray that at your kingdom will come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he gives us tasters of that heaven. And there's an incredible, incredible banquet um, that people are invited to. And my prayer for New Wine Breaks Out is that the tent will be lifted and many people will um, come home and encounter um, the banquet of Jesus, the banquet of heaven. Jill Duff speaking to us earlier today. Now this year sees the launch of Luminosity, the New Wine Youth Festival running alongside the main United event. Hosted by Lee Kirkby, the event within an event caters for the young people aged 11 to 18. And this weekend their evening sessions are formed of worship and teaching, as well as interviews with young people about the impact God is having in their lives. We join Lee now as he introduces this evening's session and we hear part of his interview with Bella Ramsey. This is United Breaks Out. Well, good evening, Luminosity. It's our second night. We're 24 hours into Luminosity Livestream 2020. And what a day we have had so far. Starting this morning with Crumpet, Cereal and Chat. Going into our challenge. Thank you so much for interacting with our challenge. We've enjoyed receiving all of your responses today on social media. Keep them coming in. We've had some amazing workshops this afternoon and now we're in our evening celebration. I'm so expectant for what God is going to do. And then we look forward to tonight, some prayer and response time and the luminosity after party. But for the celebration, I can tell you tonight, we have an amazing interview with someone and we have an amazing speaker and I can't wait to introduce those uh, to you shortly. Tonight, Lucy is going to be leading us in our sun worship. And before we enter into that time, can I just read Psalm 100 over you? And you may want to grab your own Bible. Uh, maybe you have a Bible app. We would love to encourage you to keep the word of God open as much as you can over the next few days. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so, God, we pray now that as we enter this time of worship, that we would enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise. And we pray, come Holy Spirit, meet us where we are in our own homes. May you speak to us. May you bring about change and transformation in our own lives. May you convict us of the things that are wrong and the ways in which you want us to set our path straight. 
And Lord, may you bring challenge that we would be change makers in the world today, that we would live a different life that brings you glory, a life that shines brightly for you, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's my utter privilege to be here today with Bella Ramsey. Hello, Bella. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, yes. Wonderful. It's great to be with you for this interview on Zoom. And um, you may recognize Bella because she has uh, featured on many uh, TV uh, kind of shows in many films. But we'd love to get to know you um, a little bit kind of behind the scenes, if you like. So uh, who are you? What, what do you like doing in your spare time? What are your hobbies, your favorite foods? What's family life like? All that kind of stuff. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, I like a lot of things. Um, the main ones, I play football when I'm not acting, when I'm at home, when I can actually make the matches and training. Um, so yeah, I play football. I love animals. I've got uh, three cats. What else can I tell you? Um, I love uh, cooking. I'm vegan. Oh, all, all things wow. like creative I'm, I'm into my, my guitar would normally be here but it's not it's, it's downstairs but um, yeah I play guitar and I sing I don't know I just kind of do anything and everything I feel like I do a, a little of a lot so often it feels like I'm doing nothing where in fact I am doing lots of things it's just because it's little and bitty and bobby that's cool what's your favourite vegan dish to cook? Well, I don't really know. I make it up every time. I don't really follow recipes, so I can't give you like a specific dish. I just look what we've got in the cupboards and shebang and make something out of it. (laughs) Now, Bella, there's, uh, you know, like you said at the beginning, doesn't matter who your audience is, whether it's one or a few thousand, but I suspect there'll be a fair few young people watching this interview and, uh, I'm just really keen to know, what would your encouragement be to every young person watching this now? Um, I'd say you are fearfully and wonderfully made and make sure you remind yourself of it daily. Um, God loves you, God cares for you, he's proud of you and he has incredible plans for your life. I've been sold age-old lies that Britain's all swell. Poverty's in Africa, we can build another well. I was born British and I love a cup of tea and that, but tea isn't from Britain, it's from where the colonies were. Brexit showed some of Britain once flat white. Don't believe racism still exists, just DM Ian Wright. No word of colonies at school, I was out upon the wicket. It's alright India, you love a game of cricket. Between 12 and 29 million Indians died of starvation. And yet Britain walked free, no talk of reparations. Rather, the slave owners were compensated as slaves were freed from plantations. Your taxes only paid off that loan in 2015. A kind of charitable donation? But that's all in the past, where is injustice now? I sip my Colombian coffee, my jeans from Bangladesh. My Nike shoes on, I needed to stay fresh. The workers are paid well and there's no strain on the planet. In our unjust consumption culture, I need to feed my dirty habit.
a video clip from Tear Fund rounding off this evening's Luminosity session, with the caption on screen quoting phrases from Isaiah 1 verse 7. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. United 2020 on New Wine FM. Earlier this evening at United Breaks Out, we heard from Gary Haugen for the evening celebration in the arena. Gary is CEO of International Justice Mission, having founded it in 1997. Before that, Gary was a human rights attorney for the US Department of Justice, where he focused on crimes of police misconduct and he then served as the director of the United Nations investigation in the aftermath of the Rwandan genocide. He led an international team of lawyers, criminal prosecutors, law enforcement officers and forensic experts to gather the evidence needed for justice. He is the author of several books, including Good News About Injustice and The Locust Effect. And Gary has been recognized by the U.S. State Department as a trafficking in persons hero, the highest honor given by the U.S. government for anti-slavery leadership. Gary asks us such a great question at the beginning of his talk. He says, what is the best use of our time while we're in these various stages of lockdown? He suggests that this is time to lock in some clear thinking about who we are meant to be and what we are meant to do in whatever world emerges on the other side of these times. Listen to Gary tell us where he thinks we are meant to be. The reason we are here on earth is to be agents of Christ's redemption in broken lives and in a fallen world. Put another way, the people of God are most who they are meant to be when the world is least as it was meant to be. Gary then goes on to talk about three things, three examples of this. He speaks of the passage in Matthew, where we are called the salt and the light of the world. And he asks an interesting question. Are you a cup holder? Cup holders serve their highest and best purpose when everything is going just right in the car. You and your mates are cruising down the highway on your long-awaited holiday, and right there, by your side, is the perfect cup of tea in the cup holder. Perfect indeed. Or an airbag. Now, the airbag, by contrast, serves its highest and best purpose when everything is going most desperately wrong in the car. Finally, Gary gives the story of the Good Samaritan finishing by saying it is supernatural acts of love that point to God and give him glory because the quality of the love is so manifestly beyond what humans are capable of. Gary then goes on to talk about some of the work that International Justice Mission is doing and what they are seeing around the world during this time of lockdown. For example, child sexual exploitation has grown during this time of pandemic. And Kenyan police have killed more people than those who have died from the disease itself. So where do we begin? I suggest we begin with the clarity from the scriptures we've taken the time to lock in during this time of lockdown. 
clarity about why we exist as God's people in the first place. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We know that those works don't save us, but we know that those works bring glory to our Father in heaven when they manifest his supernatural love in the world. Finally, Gary suggests that there are three supernatural qualities of love which he has seen in common displayed by those that he has encountered and supported and worked with through his time at International Justice Mission. He speaks of supernaturally courageous in compassion, being supernaturally generous and supernatural persistence. Even when all the effort seems to fail, as of course these efforts sometimes do, what does not fail is their love. This is supernatural. So where does this capacity for supernatural love come from? It's clearly the work of the Holy Spirit transforming his children over time. And there are three things that Gary explains that we as Christians can do to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. He suggests we can take tiny but scary baby steps. He suggests that we pray, being thankful and asking for help. And finally, he suggests chasing joy. He speaks of examples of people who he works with who have to deal with the most horrific circumstances and witness atrocities. They are able to love for the long haul, he says, because they continually come up for air and find joy. They are refreshed with the spirit for the next baby step. You can listen to Gary's full talk at new-wine.org forward slash breaks out. Jen Swallow there taking a look at what Gary Haugen was saying in the arena this evening. And if you want to listen to that talk or any of the others that are happening throughout the weekend, they can be found at new-wine.org forward slash breaks out. We'll be back tomorrow lunchtime and we'll be speaking to Emma from Open Doors about the work they're doing in their event on Sunday. And we'll be taking a look at what else is going on on the virtual New Wine site as United breaks out. You've been listening to a podcast from New Wine FM. For more information, visit new-wine.org forward slash breaks out.